Blog Talk Radio. For all the news you need to know, welcome to the Beautiful Butterfly Show, where great people and great topics are brought together for stimulating and thought-provoking conversation brought to you by the Vibration Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. want to say happy Thursday to you guys out there. hope you've had a fantastic week and hope that it's wrapping up on a great and a positive note as well, you guys. And if you didn't know, the Beautiful Butterfly Radio Show is brought to you by YRN 1328. That means you're listening to the show that's being broadcast globally. So big shout out to YRN 1328 for always supporting us in everything that we do over here on the Beautiful butterfly show and guess what guys we are in store for a treat it's been a while since i had a gentleman on the platform but i'm excited um as you guys know we've been doing a couple weeks uh with some co-authors of the book um a woman's journey to self-assurance but today we are kicking it off on another great spin, you guys, and we are welcoming author Kevin L. Garner. He's on, you guys. We're going to talk about his book, His Arrival is Her Attraction. Yes, yes, you guys heard me. His Arrival is Her Attraction. And when I tell you uh, that there are so many so many jewels and so many aha and oh my goodness moments in this book. You better believe it. So we're going to delve into uh, this awesome book tonight. And of course, if you're out there, um, if you have questions or comments, feel free to call in. The number is 347-326-9139 is the number, you guys. Or as many of you like to do, you can inbox me on Facebook at Bianca Fly, and I'll be happy to ask your questions uh, to Kevin live here on the air this evening, you guys. And so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break, but we're going to come back, you guys. We're going to welcome our special guest, uh, Kevin L. Garner, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. Hey, y'all. It's Coach Michelle Jackson. And when I'm not busy coaching, motivating, or writing, I listen to Bianca Fly on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. Bianca Fly takes me high on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. Hey, y'all. 
And welcome back, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. And this evening, you guys, we are joined by author Kevin L. Garner, you guys. His book is entitled, well, one of his books is entitled, His Arrival is Her Attraction, you guys. And so he's going to come on here and tell you all about himself and more, you guys. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Kevin, you there? Kevin, you there? All right. Well, we're going to see if we can um, get Kevin up on here really uh, quickly for you guys. Uh, But in the meantime, we uh, always uh, welcome you guys to make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you guys. Um, On Twitter, we are at uh, butterfly show and instagram the beautiful butterfly show um and make sure you follow us and keep up uh with all of the awesome guests and things that we are doing over here on the show you guys and i want to tell you guys um next week we're going to continue um uh, these awesome guests with some more male guests uh we're going to have muhammad shakur joining us next thursday he's going to be talking about the importance of fatherhood and um, marriage and parenthood, you name it. Um, So uh, what we're going to do is uh, welcome him next Thursday, same time, same place, you guys. And so uh, (laughs) it's all right. So in the meantime, we're going to bring on our special guest, Kevin, you there? Yes, I'm here. (laughs) Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Fantastic. How are you? I am doing awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Definitely appreciate it. Thank you. I'm I'm honored to be on your show. Absolutely. And so, um, Kevin, for the folks out here um, who this may be their first time being introduced to you, tell the little folks about who is Kevin Garner. Well, Kevin Garner is just a uh, down-to-earth, southern African-American man who just trying to do some good things in the world in his life and inspire others to fulfill their dreams in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, um, tonight we are um, going to be discussing your book entitled his arrival is her attraction. Uh, but I wanted absolutely. to ask you, uh, <laughs> when, when did you decide, when was that moment that you decided about writing? How long have you been writing? When did it come to you that, you know what, I got some things to say. I got some things to share that I want people all over to have the opportunity to read. Well, it, it actually started, it's a funny story of how my writing, you know, actually got started. Um, mm-hmm. I've been in ministry for 23 years, and uh, I went to uh, Bible college, and um, so I've always been writing sermons, you know, for right. 23 years. Right. And um, one day, I had some pastor friends, you know, that got a little busy, asked me to write up a sermon for them. And I got really good at, you know, writing sermons for other pastors. And then one day I wow. sit down and talk to myself. I'm doing all this writing, you know, sermons and for myself and other pastors. Why mm-hmm. not actually, you know, get into actually writing books? So that's, that's sort of how it began. Uh, the ideal came to me of actually uh, writing books. And 
I, I'm actually very passionate about it now. I, I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. I'm I'm always working on writing, you know, all the time, every day. You know, I'm it's always something I'm writing every single day. Right. Right, absolutely. And actually, one of the books that um, kind of got this rolling was Faith Survivors. Is that correct? That, that's correct. Uh, my first book is a um, book regarding my story of being mm-hmm. a cancer survivor. Uh, right. February the 14th of 2001, I was diagnosed with uh, leukemia. And uh, praise God, I'm I'm still here. I'm alive. Yeah. I'm living. Yes. And it took me a while to kind of put together the ideal of what actually happened to me. Um, and once um, I, I shared it with a friend of mine, she suggested that I write a book about it. And we right. sit down together and put the pieces together. And what a great story. That, that book actually sold 25,000 copies. Wow. Wow. In the midst of that, because oftentimes, um, Kevin, we don't always get to see the inside and in depth of what it's like when a man is facing cancer, you know, and and the, all that he deals with and so forth. And so, you know, we always see where women are dealing with breast cancer or, or different forms of ovarian cancer. Um, but we oftentimes we don't see the light shed upon men um, who are dealing uh, with cancer as well. For you, what kind of went through your mind when, when that diagnosis was given to you? The first thing, honestly, you know, I, I want to backtrack and say at the time, mm-hmm. I was just 23 years old. I'm 40 yeah. years old today. I was only 23 years old. I was uh, freshly married. I got married when I was 19, mm-hmm. and I had um, three children, two biological children and one stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. My two biological sons uh, through my wife were at they the the age they were like I believe at the time they were five and three and my stepdaughter wow. was about seven. So wow. the first thing that grew my mind, honestly for me, was who's gonna be there for the kids. Right. You know, it it wasn't it really wasn't even about me sort of say my first thought was I've gotta beat this because I have these children to, to raise and the very next thought came to me was that I was called to pastor church, and I, I, I had to do it. I, I had to live in order to fulfill my purpose in life. So, honestly, those were my very, very first thoughts. Of course, I was a, I was afraid. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit there and say my faith just kicked in immediately. Right. I, I had a, a, a very scary moment, but that moment was scary because the doctor had told me that I only had seven days to live. And wow. so for me, it was like every moment counted, you know, every second of me looking at my children, my wife, my mom, my family, everything counted. And and that lesson taught me so much in life that every moment of your life, it, and that has stayed with me. I thank God for that experience. Actually, uh, I believe that cancer made me a better person. Wow. 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 And, and during that time, when 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 we all go to the doctor, uh, whether we, you know, the doctor tells us, hey, you need to lose weight or, hey, you got high blood pressure. But to hear, you know, a diagnosis of someone giving you um, a time frame of how long you have to live, how did that weigh on you 
um, mentally um, within mentally. yourself of, of tr- you know, trying to process it? You know, to be honest, and I didn't even consider it um, mentally yeah. at the moment. Yeah. I just knew I was going to be okay. Um, yeah. As sick as I was, uh, for me at that very moment, I made a conscious decision immediately. I didn't wait mm-hmm. until somebody else prayed for me. I didn't wait until I got right. confirmation from someone. Immediately, right. I spoke to the doctor. When he told me that uh, it was February 14th when he told me this on Valentine's Day of 2001, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Imme- immediately I said, so you're saying February 21st, 2001, I'm not going to be here. And he, and he looks me dead in the eye, and he says, yes, Mr. Garner, you're you're not going to make it. And immediately wow. I looked at him and I said to him, I said, okay, do you know Jesus? And, that, mm-hmm. and we went from there. That was the very next yeah. word came out, out. And from there we moved forward. And, um, you know, I just, I, I never wavered. And, and I, I'm not boasting, you know, to say that I have all the faith. And, you know, some people say, you know, with my faith and I have faith, you know, I'm not boasting. Right. This is real i just chose that very moment to not believe anything differently other than Mm -hmm. i was going to live absolutely absolutely in those moments um a lot of times and i'm glad you mentioned it um about faith because people oftentimes feel that their faith is being tested during those times and sometimes people lose faith um and Mm so what do you think made you, you know, to cling tighter to your faith in that moment? Because you could have easily, you know, went into that moment of depression and, oh, why me and, and, and all those natures. But to immediately cling to, you know, th- this is what I believe in and this is my lifestyle. So I'm going to hold firm to this. As I, you know, again, I had spent, you know, ever since I was 17 years old reading the Bible, being in ministry, yeah. I felt like okay. I knew too much him to doubt him so why why i'm gonna sit here you know you can't get you can't get a miracle crying you get a miracle in faith and so for me it was such a critical moment for me to where my thing was listen i want to live you know i i've got i've got to find the remnant i got to find the answer i was looking to live and not die so my Mm -hmm. my mental state was live and not die so everything that was coming out of my mouth, everything around me, everything centered around me was focused on getting better and not not the condition itself. It's almost as if I denied the, the condition around me didn't define the faith and belief that I had that I was going to come out. I, I never let, you know, even though that, that I was in pain, you know, and even though um, the stress and the worry and 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 the fear were, were were all there. And I know some people say faith and fear doesn't live in the same home. I don't teach mm-hmm. that, and I don't believe that. I believe at any mm-hmm. moment you can have fears in your life, but your faith must overcome your fear, okay. not not deny and you don't have fear. That's Absolutely. that's that's ludicrous of me to say that. I was right. afraid, but I chose right. to be brave enough to stand up to my fear and stand up to my my pain and my emotions. And challenge my fear with my faith, and my faith and I, we we got the victory along with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I, it wasn't that I wasn't afraid; I just had an, enough faith to overcome my fear. Absolutely, absolutely, Kevin. For you, um, after this, and 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 going through this, and living your life to where you are now, 
How did you strive to live your life even greater after that moment? Did you, you know, did it come to you like, okay, there, there's some things to be done. So, I, you know, I'm given this opportunity again, so I'm going to do it even greater. What, what kept you going to live and to move things even in a greater process? Uh, for you after um, being diagnosed with leukemia and and beating it and all those things? Well, to be honest, I've got to give credit to the Lord Jesus Christ first. Second, I've got to give it up to my, my former wife, my ex-wife, um, Sherry, who, who was uh, by my side every single step of the way. Um, and And her faith and my faith together, was an incredible experience for both of us to to get the victory. Uh, and then to my children, you know, they don't realize, and I, and I tell them all the time now, how they were the biggest inspiration for me to live. You know, I knew watching them, I was like, okay, there's no way. Um, I gave birth to two children and raising a stepdaughter to, to die when they're only five, three, and seven, there's so much more in their life I have to see. And so, Absolutely. you know, from there, that was my motivation. And establishing the ministry, Faith Survivor, excuse me, at that time, Harvest Fire Ministry was the name of the ministry that I, I knew I was destined to, to, to uh, plant that church. So for me, coming out of the hospital, I went right into ministry. I, you know, I actually started my church um, shortly after being given a a, um, a clearance as far as uh, the leukemia had slowed down, but they kind of suspected it would come back. And they didn't want me to start the church, but I knew I had to give birth to that church. So I came right out of the hospital around August of, of that same year, August, um, and actually August 17th of 2001, I launched Harvest Fire Full Gospel Ministries and never looked back. You know, I never, I never looked back. I, I knew. I told the doctor, you know, this this church, you know, was gonna was going to bring forth some great things. So from there, I never looked back. So that church kept me alive. It kept me going. I I ran for four years straight with this church nonstop. Um, I was just so happy to be alive. God had made Himself so real to me, you know. And and my sister, I, I'll say this. Um, and I teach this all the time. When God has given you, when God has answered a prayer or given you a miracle through faith, mm-hmm. you don't have the legal right to doubt Him ever again. It's illegal mm-hmm. to doubt God. Right. Yes. Given you, a and so I didn't want to be in 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 the wrong on the wrong side of God and Him right. issue a warrant for my arrest because I illegally. Absolutely doubted him when he has given me a miracle and therefore I have no more right. And that's what cancer has done for me. And that's why I say I'm thankful for cancer because it put me in a position to where now doubt is illegal for me. I have to believe. And for the rest of my life, no matter what I go through, I can never doubt God even if I wanted to because it's illegal for me to do it. Mm. I love that. Absolutely love that. And speaking of, of being thankful, uh, I have to say, uh, yesterday, uh, you guys, Kevin said, well, what did you think about the book? And I said, oh, <laughs> I, had Kevin, I had Kevin a little nervous. He didn't know what I was going to say. I was like, well, you know, but I, I'm thankful that you wrote this book. 
um, because his arrival is her attraction. Yes, because I think that for so long, and even nowadays, we have people who ask so many of the questions that you answered in this book. And so with this book, um, I, I definitely want to uh, delve into this uh, book, you guys, entitled His Arrival is Her Attraction. First of all, let's, let's start from the beginning. How did we come up uh, with the name and the concept or the thought process for this book? Okay, so uh, I'm 40 years old at this very mm-hmm. moment. Um, during the time that I was considering this book, I was 39. I was about I would say about seven or eight months for turning 40, okay? So I'm sitting at home. I'm realizing, gosh, Kevin, you know, you're getting ready to be finally make 40 years old. And I started considering my life, you know, what what my life consists of. Had I fulfilled, you know, some things in my life or was I on track, you know? Am I really 40 in my experience or is it just a (laughs) biological age? And these right. were the thoughts that I started having regarding my own life. And as I started jotting down some ideals of where I was, this book was never supposed to be a book. It was actually just me considering me. It was just personally me. And and okay. that's why the book, in the content of the book, it's centered around my 40th birthday because that's right. where my thoughts were. My 40th birthday is coming up. Who are you, Kevin? You know, are you a real man? Have you learned life lessons? Have you, or you know, have you accomplished what it means to be a man? And from there, you know, just considering all of those things, the word came to me: his arrival. You know, mm. that was the first thing. You know, yeah. his arrival means it, it, it would, and what his arrival means it means maturity. It means right. has he arrived to a place of maturity? You right. know, and 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 so from there, I started to think. Well, his arrival. If a man has arrived based on the principles I wrote about in the book, it's her attraction. It's what we're really. It's the things that would attract a woman, and that's how the the title came together. His arrival, his maturity, him putting himself together and making sure he's solid. That's the thing that I wanted men to know that will attract the best kind of woman. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the the great things I I loved about this, at the beginning, um, the first chapter, it talks about the potentials of a good man in the making. And oftentimes, you know, uh, we hear as women, uh, men say, well, I'm a good man. You know, I got I got this going on. I got that going on. Kevin, what do you believe sets the foundation of being a good man? Well, you know, you mentioned chapter one. And in chapter one, uh, we talk about step one. And we, we, it's actually about four steps in, in the book. Right, that I, right. I based, I based chapter one on the story of a man in the Bible named mm-hmm. Bonamaeus who was blind. And mm-hmm. I use that as an example because oftentimes men are blind. And mm-hmm. when, when a man is blind to the reality of what manhood really is, then he has forfeit, 
you know, his potentials. And right. he, he can't you can't lead where you don't see yourself at. You you right. you can't help someone. You can't be that that the kind of man that you need to be if if you're blind and, and a woman can't follow you if you don't even know where you're going yourself. And Absolutely. so you know I I, I believe that I'm, uh, the first step I talked about was um, actually uh, using what what you have to offset what doesn't work. Sometimes right. we as men think we have to have everything together. He was a blind man, but he he accomplished his his greatest dream was to be able to see, and he accomplished it because he realized although my eyes may be bad, my my hearing is not. So he used his hearing in place of his um, of his eyesight. So I try to explain to men: use what you have to perfect the rest of your life. To bring, you know, you can a man can take one tool, one tool, a one instrument of 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 his life that's that's only a fraction of who he is, but he can define himself with that to a place to where it pulls everything else together, and whatever he's lacking, it doesn't even seem that he's lacking it because he's done such a great job with using that one tool to perfect his entire life. So the the potentials of of a good man in the making is about a man using what he has, you know, to offset what, what he doesn't have working for him. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, you talk about the, the process of men in their 20s um, who basically have, you know, what happens when you don't have any vision or direction? And so some men, some men that I've had dialogue talked about in their 20s, that was their, like, wildest times. You know, some people were sowing their raw oats and, you know, doing all these different things. Why do you believe that during that 20, you know, 20 to 30 period, age frame that men need to have a vision uh, for their life? Well, when a man is not focused in his 20s, he miss out on a he miss out on a lot of opportunities, and then by mm-hmm. the time he gets into his thirties and forties, you know the mind starts to settle, and right. when the starts to settle in thirties and forties, and didn't take advantage of those twenties, you know he starts to have regrets, and those regrets mm. lead depression, it leads right. to moods, and there's all types of uh, mental things that take place. So when you when you're in your twenties and you set some goals for yourself and you set yourself up so that when you are thirty you've accomplished some things, it it it, it makes a man uh, feel as if he has achieved something. When a man, you see, here here's the thing I want everybody to know: mm-hmm. God created a man to conquer things, to achieve things. Right. So when a man is not conquering, when a man is not achieving, he's not a man. He mm-hmm. hasn't arrived to a place of manhood. So then biologically, he may be at the age biologically of manhood, but not mentally there. Mentally, and this yeah. creates an imbalance in, in, in men's life where you have a 40-year-old man who only has the substance of a 20-year-old man who is mm-hmm. still on the same level as a man who is just entering into manhood or the potentials of manhood, and they're they're on the same 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 page. I think for me, looking at my sons now who are twenty one and nineteen, I don't wow. want to be on the same stage as my son. 
I, I right. don't want to be a place. I don't want to have a girlfriend. You know, that's their <laughs> that's their stage. I want to have a wife. Right. Right. You know, I don't want I don't want to go to the club and, and you know because that's their stage. What do I look like being forty years old? and I'm in the same club as my son, you know, that, mm-hmm. to me, that shows that I went backwards. I, I didn't right. I didn't arrive to a place where I needed to arrive to be beyond those things. Mm, absolutely. Oftentimes, there is, have has always been the, the maturity where, uh, you know, they've talked about how men, uh, or boys in general, mature um, a lot slower than women do. And so when you talk to women, um, whether it's about relationships or whatnot, they always talk about, you know, how some guys are very immature and, and all of these things. And so do you believe? Um, is there a, a way or how do you have that conversation? Because I know I've had a lot of girlfriends in the past talk about, you know, he, you know, he, this guy has great aspects or characteristics about himself, but he still has that immaturity in him. How does one go about having that conversation with their partner about that? You know, actually um, it's a conversation that if a woman is having that conversation with a man, mm-hmm. it's 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 not a conversation for a woman to have with a man. It's a conversation okay. Okay. and only have with a man. Another when a man, woman yeah. tries to have this conversation with a man, you know, mm-hmm. oftentimes that man is going to rebel and feel like she feels that uh, he is uh, lesser than her previous partners or. Maybe right. she's trying to compare him to her dad. Right. Um, this is kind right. of conversation. There are some conversations in life a woman cannot have with a man without damaging him. So this is a conversation mm-hmm. that only a man can have with a man. So my my advice to women would be maybe have a a a father figure if the man doesn't have a father figure in his life. Maybe if your father has himself together. That's a conversation that a father-in-law can have with him or a big brother or uncle. But it certainly needs to be a man-on-man, a man-to-man conversation. It cannot be a, a man-to-woman conversation, not initially, because a woman, a woman can aid that conversation. She can encourage the conversation. She can, uh, you know, help support the ideal of a man sitting down, talking to another man or even influencing it, but she cannot have that conversation with him because men are just not built that way. And and it's unfortunate. I I, I wish that I could honestly tell women, yeah, you know, there are some men you can just sit down and say this and say that, but honestly it's a man-to-man conversation. Only a man can be got a man. A woman, and I want people to hear this, a woman Mm -hmm. gives birth Okay, as a mother, a woman gives right. birth to a male child, but only right. a man can be got a man. Hmm. And there's a difference between birthing a man and begotten a man. When the Bible right. says Jesus was God's only begotten son, this is because a man can only be begotten from another man and birthed from a woman. And that's right. a, that's another book that I'm going to actually talk about, uh, the difference between the birthing of a man and the begotten of a man. Wow. 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 
We have a question here from uh, Christine, um, actually, from Dallas, Texas. Uh, She says, in her relationship, um, communicating with my partner um, about our goals and, and aspirations seems to always be a struggle. Whenever I mention the process of money, financing, budgeting, he never wants to have that conversation. How can we have a better understanding of one another without him getting upset whenever I mention it? The question I would have for her is what is what what is the time frame she's asking these questions? Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, when a man is disappointed with something in his life, mm-hmm. he, he's not he's not receptive to having that particular type of conversation. Okay. Um, I, I would suggest to any woman, feed a man, make him happy, get get him in a happy mood, have sex okay. with him, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, um, and you can talk to a man about anything after you fed him and you fed him, and he'll talk all night. He'll talk about dreams, right. and everything. <laughs> but if he if he just came home, he's tired, he's hot, or maybe right. he doesn't have enough money in his pocket at that moment. Even though you're trying to help him know how to get money in his pocket, right, he, right, he can't see it that way and feel it that way. He can only see what he doesn't have at the present moment. So to help him mentally come to a place to uh, of preparing him for that conversation, I would say putting him in a happy mood, you know, by do something with him that he enjoys doing, and mm-hmm. then slip in and say, hey, you know, I I wanted to sit down and kind of talk to you about a couple of things. And then you got to watch your tone of how you talk to a man. You can't go in saying, well, you know, we, we got to have it this way. We got, you know, a man look at that as like you're trying to take control of the relationship and he's going right. to rebel. He, he's not going to follow. It's not in his DNA to follow. But if you mm-hmm. go to a man and, and you build him, this is the thing I want women to understand. And, and I know it seems like a lot of work with us, and I apologize that God created us this way, but this is truly how we are, to build a man up before you give him the medicine that he needs. So I would suggest you go in and tell him what a great man he is and how you appreciate him, and then ride in from there on the things that you want to see him do better in life as far as his goals and dreams and finances and inspirations. Absolutely, absolutely. In this book, you also... I hope that helps helps her out really, you know, well there. Absolutely. In this book, you also talk about uh, why it's important for a man to have a relationship with God. Um, Expound on that a bit. Why do you believe that it's important that a man has a relationship with God? Over over anything else. Well, a man was created in God's image, mm-hmm. so without knowing God, a man doesn't know himself. Without knowing himself, he he cannot fully operate in his God purpose or as as his creative purpose in life. He's he, any man who doesn't have some sort of relationship with God is cer- is certainly facing a identity crisis. He may not even know it. He may have chosen an identity that doesn't even fit the reality of what he was created to be. So he chose an identity that that basically is a is a counterfeit to 
who he truly is. When a man has a relationship with God, he truly knows now who he is and who who he was created to be. And he knows how to function in the life of a woman. He knows how to function in the life of children, you know, because he has the balance of knowing who he was created after. If if he was created in the image of God or the likeness right. of God, then right. it's certainly important that he, he understand and have a relationship with what he was created after. Absolutely. So Absolutely. it's so it's 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 vital and very critical. Um I tell women, you know, stop shopping for men superficially. You know, mm. I, I don't feel sorry, to be honest. I don't feel sorry for a lot of the women who go through things that they go through with men because a woman would choose a man based on the shoe size and, and not mm. and not on his mental capacity. A woman would Very choose true. a man on, based on his height and his and his uh, his features, his physicality yes. before yes. he chooses. And so a lot of times when I get women that talk to me about this, this, and that, and I go, well, this is the same man you chose. He didn't change. This is just what you chose. You over right. you did sit down and really think about what is critical in choosing a man. You know, how do I choose a man? So it's not just on the man having a relationship with God, it's on the woman knowing how to choose the right kind of man as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the questions uh from Diane from Kannapolis, North Carolina. Uh, has a question about commitment, which uh, Kevin also talks about um, in this book as well. Um, She says she's been in a relationship for six years, uh, but she's not sure of her partner's commitment to the relationship. She says we've had conversations of marriage and progressing our relationship, but that's usually all it ever is. It's just conversation. After that, we don't go we we go months and months without ever talking about it again. How do I know if his commitment is really in this relationship? I actually want to read something out of my book to her. Uh, in chapter, chapter four, it's entitled, Who Influences His Commitment? Mm. Who Influences His Commitment? And yes. one of the things I write here is one of the most influential persons of commitment is God himself. Yeah. His word is his bond. To yeah. be influenced by his fidelity will cause a man to become committed to the commitment. This level of exposure into God's integrity will give will give birth to a man's ability to walk in loyalty, trustworthiness, and consistency. To be influenced by God's commitment, a man must know how God is committed to him. Until a man has a relationship with God, he can never be committed to a woman, point mm. blank. Wow. Point blank. I, I don't care who he is. I don't care yeah. how good he is in anything in this world. A man can never commit to a woman until he commits to God. Absolutely. And that's just, Absolutely. and that, you know, I, I leave it there. And the reason I say this is because, first, a man has to be influenced by commitment. You see, right. most of us as men are influenced by our sexuality. The first thing that happens in a young man's life when he's a young boy is he's told, you know, he's shown by other men how to attract women. He's shown how to be managed. He's shown how to choose women or what, what features of a woman to look at. And so men develop a desire for women based on the influence 
that they receive from another man. So until mm-hmm. a man has experienced a man in his life who has laid out a foundation of commitment, a man can only commit as far as he has seen commitment. A man who has a father who cheated most likely would cheat. A man right. who has seen an uncle cheat will most likely cheat. But when a mm-hmm. man sees a man committed to God and stays committed to God and becomes committed to a relationship with a woman, now a woman has a greater chance of meeting a man who has a low risk of infidelity in their relationship. Sounds like she's talking about not just commitment as far as um, sexually committed to one another. I think she's also talking about looking for him to step up and own the relationship and take the relationship to a level where he's basically saying, we are together. You know, she's Mm -hmm. not necessarily in his back pocket. So it sounds like she would define who she is in his life. And and sorry, ma'am, it doesn't take six years to do it. Mm, It doesn't take years for him to do it. This is a man who enjoys being with you because his options are slim. However, Mm. he's still on the look and hoping. He's optimistic that he's going to find what he's looking for. He's going to drop you the moment, finds what he's looking for. When a man finds what he's looking for, he drops everything and he runs that one. I remember my wife that 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 I'm married to right now. I remember meeting her, and I remember saying to her, at our very first date that I was going to marry her. She thought I was crazy, you know, like, <laughs> boy, you don't even know me. And I go, yeah, you're my wife. Yeah. I was committed to marrying her. I had to be committed to marrying her before I can be committed in the marriage. So if Absolutely. a man is not committed and driven by the ideal of, of putting you on the display of knowing that he's going to be with you, he's mm-hmm. never going to be with you or he may come to a place to say, well, what the hell, I'm going to go ahead and marry her. I'm going to go ahead and put a ring on her finger. Now he's settled. And when a man settled, you know, for, for you, he's still not settled in his mind. And the moment the wind changes and something catches his attention, he sways away because he was forced committed into something mm-hmm. that he obviously didn't want to commit to on his own. So my right. advice to lady would be, Commit to yourself right now and make sure that he's worth the wait and make sure that you know what you're doing and that you don't get your heart entangled into a, another three or four years and, and not really knowing your place in the relationship. Absolutely. I, you know, Kevin, because I've always I've just always been a firm believer that if a man is interested in you, he's going to let you know, you know, he's going to let you know up front. <laughs> From the jump, um, the same thing, you know, because you have, and I've heard so many conversations with women on, you know, they're they're looking for that man to define that relationship, you know, they're like, okay, I don't know, I don't know if we're dating, I don't know if we're in a, you know, serious committed relationship, they don't know because they're looking for the man to, to say, like, you know, pretty much say what the title is and I'm just a firm believer like he's gonna let you know from the jump I think if somebody wants you like you said you told your you know your wife hey you're gonna be my wife you know so that's what it was and I think that you have to take things for full value you know absolutely a man is telling a woman every day whether he loves her or not he Mm -hmm. tells you in many of his actions many of his ways he tells us 
tells a woman, but a woman many times, you know, just sort of hang in there just to say they have a, a mm-hmm. man. One of the pictures I wrote in the book, um, and I want to read this, this part that I wrote in the book. It says, often women settle for mediocre, immature men to keep mm. from being alone. Yeah. Oftentimes, women settle for mediocre, immature men to keep from being alone. Absolutely. And that, Absolutely. that, that happens too often in, in many women's lives. They settle just to keep from being alone. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we see it so often, you know, because especially, I'm going to say, especially when you have a group of girls who they're all friends and, you know, everybody starts to get married or everybody starts to get engaged. Uh, it makes it even worse because then you have that person who is seeking, okay, I need to get a man. Everybody else in, in my group, you know, my crew or whatever has a man. They're happy. You know, I want that too. And just kind of forget about the happy part for most of them, because like you said, they're just seeking some type of companionship, you know, even though they may not be able to see that Monday, Thursday and Saturday, you know, they're taking that, you know, just on the hopes of having somebody. Absolutely. It happens yeah. all the time. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yep, I've, I've definitely have experienced that myself, and I've experienced, mm-hmm. I've seen it around me, people, you know, women settling because, you know, their their girlfriend for many years is getting married, and then they go home, and they, you know, they curl up on the couch, and then, you know, they think about <laughs> the guy that's a bit the longest, and then they start having that conversation. Yeah. And before you know it, you're, you're pressing to try to get this man to do something, you know, that obviously if he wanted to do it, he would have knocked on your door long time ago, <laughs> gotten down on that knee and said, will you marry me? You wasn't the prize And yeah. if you force him to marry him, to marry you, you won't be, you won't be his prize in the marriage. If you're not his prize, yes. you're not his prize you won't be his prize in the marriage. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of one of the great things um, that uh, really spoke volumes to me was in the book you talked about how it is dangerous uh, for a man to overload his emotional and sexual capacity. Um, and so tell us a little bit about this. Why is it dangerous for a man to overload his emotional and sexual capacity? Well, this this chapter that that I talk about, um, I talk about it because uh, oftentimes when a man is um, emotionally, you know, overloaded, um, many times men tend to use sex as a crutch. Um, sex becomes a, a a medication, or it becomes therapy for men. They may not see it that way or labor it that way. Um, because, you know, they, they just don't see it that way, but that's re- really what happens. And when a man allows himself mentally to become overcapacitated to the point to where he, he tends to lean to sex as a, as, as a way to, as therapy really, as a way to uh, cope with his stress, this becomes very dangerous because men don't often have the strength to think beyond their penis, okay, mm. and it's proven even even in Adam's life. You know, 
listen, I tell everybody, we 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 actually poke fun at that story, but if people will really look at it from a psychological standpoint or emotional and, and mental standpoint, Adam traded God for sex with Eve. You know, he he it was so it, it's such a powerful, stimulating thing that God created for man to enjoy to where man lost his own relationship with himself and God for sex. And this is a dangerous place for us as men that we have to come to the awareness of. Um, At some point in time in my life, I had to be honest with myself and know where my weaknesses were. You know, what am I truly weak for? And I had to identify with those things and begin to appropriate my emotions correctly so that I don't fall into the error of, 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 of being using sex as a crutch to, to cope with stress and cope mm-hmm. with things mm-hmm. that, um, that otherwise, I, you know, may make mistakes and do the wrong things. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we have a, another question here from Rita. Um, from Baton Rouge, and uh, this, this is hey, a Rita, good one. Because... Hey, <laughs> hey, Rita, how you doing? Um, I'm from Louisiana, so anytime somebody jump on from Louisiana, that's my home state. God bless you, Rita. <laughs> Absolutely. This is a good question because Kevin, you know, Kevin talks about everything in his book, so I think everybody needs to go out and, and purchase this book uh, because this you guys going to found. Yes, that he touches on everything. She says, how do I communicate to my husband that when it comes down to his sexual performance, I am leaving unsatisfied? How do I communicate this without hurting his feelings? And this is a huge one because I've had plenty of girlfriends have this conversation. Plenty of women talk about this. How do you have that communication about sexual performance without hurting someone's feelings? Well, or is that possible? I, <laughs> that's, that's, this, now, this is a great question, and, and oh man, this is tough one. Um, first, Rita, I want to tell you that um, I'm actually working on a second version of this book. It's going to be called "Her Arrival Is His Attraction." Hmm. I'm going to flip it around the other way. Now, okay. in in the case that you are speaking of. Um, the best way to communicate this to a man, I, I talk about it in the book, about how a woman should never pair her sexual experiences with another man, with, another man with the man he's being sexual with now. Uh-huh. He, he would definitely be scorned. You also cannot come into uh, the, the sexual act with this man or the sexual behavior with this man as an instructor. A man doesn't want a teacher in the bed with him, you know, unless he's a hot hot teacher, you know, from school or something, but now, you know, right. So the best way, the best way to, to, to explain to a man or, or help guide him is again, build a man up in order to give a man a, when you build a man up mentally and emotionally, it's easier for him. It's sort of like what you do with, certain medications to feed your children. And I, I know mm-hmm. women, I'm so sorry that we are childlike. <laughs> we are so childlike that we can't handle a woman just simply saying, bro, you need to do better in this department. This is, this is, this is, you're not having business. I know you just want to be real like that with him, but don't. Because what you do, 
you create something in him that will lead him to mm-hmm. a woman who who makes him feel like a man. So to help right. a man, you right. gotta think about how how you feed your children some medicine. You put a little something sweet in it. You know that's why they with the cough serves they make the strawberry mm-hmm. or they right. Do it because the the actual taste of the medicine is nasty, but it's good for the child. But they got to put it in a way that the the, the child is more receptive, actually swallow it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in order to get a man to swallow the idea that he's not the king of the bed like he thinks he is, it's best to go in and tell him how good he actually is, and then start mm. to lead him into those things that you like. You know, help him. In, 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 in a in a seductive way, you mm-hmm. can help mm-hmm. him to become more pleasing to you in a seductive way than you can in an instructive way. Right, right, right. So be more be more seductive, and a man to catch up to speed. Okay, good question, Rita. Good question. Yeah. It really was, Rita. Rita, you hit me with a hard one now. I'm, I'm <laughs> good question, because actually, in your book, you talk about. <laughs> Thou shall not let a man out the house without oh, sex. Now don't let him go. Don't let him out the house. Drain him, women. Drain your man. <laughs> this is coming from a pastor. I'm telling you, I'm a pastor. I'm a man of God. I would not <laughs> lie to you. Don't let the man out of out the house with with in with anything in it. Drain it. <laughs> Men, men feel very incompetent. Okay, they, 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 a man feels very, 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 very. He's very. If, if a man is strong, and y'all get what I'm saying, ladies. Okay, if a man walk out the door strong, okay, mm-hmm. he's more, he's he's more apt to to use where he's strong at. But if a man walk out the door and he's weak. He don't even want to fool with another woman. He don't want to right. cheat because he mm-hmm. he knows his performance is not going to be there because the woman he was with done drained it. She done took everything. The only thing he, he wanted to do is go to work and, and, and come home and, 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 and chill because he's 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 drained. And, and that's I talk about that in the book. Don't let a man you know, out of the house without get, having sex with it's a, it's like it's like think about this. You know, it's it's like I remember I grew up in Louisiana and I grew up in the country and you know we we had a bad habit back in the day. We tied dogs to a tree. He tied his dog to the tree, you know, and the dog just runs around this tree barking and barking and barking and barking until you know. But he's, he's, he can't go anywhere. He's locked down. And then what happens? As soon as you take that dog off of that, that, that leash, what does he do? He runs. I mean, he runs, 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 runs. Right. He runs in circles. He runs around the backyard. He's just running, 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 running. He finally tires himself out, right? And when he tires himself out, he sits down, and he's catching his breath. And then he jumps back up, and he runs, run, 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 run. Well, I use that metaphor as an example of men, okay? Um, if if you let a man out of the house with all that energy, mm. with all of that left in him, it's in his DNA to run, run, run until he, until he tires himself out. But mm. if you tire him out at the house, 
he ain't he don't have no running to do. So ladies, drain him. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, probably feel like, you know, they hear me say that, you know, I don't know what they think, but I, I'm just, I just, I was tired of lying to women. I was tired of telling them, you know, listen, yeah. you know, people come sit down, women come sit down and talk to me all the time, you know, in counseling sessions, you know, and, and then I'm a man too. So I, I knew the truth and I knew based on talking to a lot of men and the truth of, of the matter is, a lot of men are not having enough sex with with their their wives uh, to where, you know, they they're still looking for more because, you know, it, it, you, and you have to know your man's sexual peaks. Right. You've got a man that, you know, he needs it once a day, ladies. You know, this is just the price of being with a man. No different than as a price a man pays for being with a woman. But sexuality is a price that, but it should be enjoyable. It shouldn't even necessarily be an, an obligation because truly if you're committed to your husband, you're, you love your husband, you're attracted to your husband, you know, um, you, you can knock that out in two or three minutes if you want to and go back to talking to your girlfriend and say, he don't mind. Just, <laughs> just as long as you take care of him, he don't, he don't mind. A man, a man will give you, a man will say yes to anything in the midst of sex. I tell women, if you want to go shopping, you want to get all the man money, have sex with him and get the credit card after that and go shopping. He won't complain. But watch the order now. If you ask a man for money for the credit card before sex, he complains. Well, baby, you don't need these shoes. Baby, you don't need to do this. Baby, we can't afford this, okay? That's all the stuff you're going to get. Now, if you use what what I'm telling you, it's going to work in your favor. If you don't do any of that, go have sex with your husband first. Put it down and put it down right. Then in the midst of it, say, babe, you know what? I need to go to the store. I, there's some things I need to go shopping for. That man will jump out of his skin to give you that car and let you go shopping. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Same, absolutely. Same, love it. same man. Same man that would say no is the same man that would say yes. Word of advice, ladies. Great advice. <laughs> oh, oh, they're gonna put me out to church for this. Uh, you know, you'll interview right there. These people already—I know—they are already voting against me now. The trustee board and everybody—they they coming together saying we got to get. Oh Lord, we got to get him out of get him out, out of the church. Absolutely, Kevin. When people, when 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 people purchase this book um, and read it. What do you, what is the main thing that you want them to be able to take away when they read his arrival is her attraction? For men, I want men to be able to see the model. You know, I paint a model of a man who is the type of man that a woman would be attracted to. I dedicated this book to my grandfather, my late grandfather, Abbott William Sr. And I talk about the model man, the man who provides the whole one k provides the life insurance, the dental, the health insurance, the the, um, the financial stability, a man who, you know, prays, talks with God, leads the family, the model man that I want men to read this book 
and be reminded of that model. Nowadays, mm-hmm. we as men have entertainers and stars and rappers as models in the eyes of many of these young men, and it's not enough to model the glam or the riches, but I believe it's important for a man to value and see the model of real manhood. For the women, I want women to see the model as well on their choices of a man. Stop choosing a man based on his shoe size and choose a man based on his heart size. And um, learn to be happy with with who you've you've chosen. Um, I also want people to really see the the realness throughout the entire book. Um, as as you know, I really let loose in this book, even about my own life. Um, you know, I I even talked about many of my past mistakes. I talked about why did I cheat. You know, I, I I talked about, you know, have I ever cheated on a woman before? And I talked about why in this book. So I, I think I want people to read the book and see the realness behind Kevin Garner, that I'm no longer going to hide behind, you know, being a pastor or being right. a father, being a, right. uh, a um, public figure. You know, I want to tell people the truth. And I think pastors across the world need to stop lying and tell the truth even in our own lives and our own struggles and our own mistakes because real recognizes real. And I believe when we can be real with ourselves, we can preach a more pure gospel. But if you're lying to yourself just to egg somebody else on, you're only setting yourself up, you know, to, to you're actually building others to be just as fake as you. And so I think that what I'm trying to do is get the church to come out of the closet with, and and be able to deal with our sin issues and deal with sexuality in the way that um, it's appropriate to deal with. It's no longer enough just to say, wait till you're married. People are not waiting. We need to get back to some some principles and things that we need to deal with in in case someone decides not to have sex when they're married, but they have sex before marriage. We, we, right. You know, we gotta account. We gotta account for the rebellion, rebellion as well as for the righteous. We cannot just account for the righteous. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. So I really want to say a lot. You know, I want to mention one other thing about this book. Um, sure. This this book actually um, sets a tone for a series of books that are coming. When you get to the back of the book. I sort of take it to where it's like someone is interviewing me regarding me turning 40, and it stages the book to split the personality of my life between who I am as Kevin, and then there's a new character that comes into the book named Boy, B-O-Y, which is actually my my nickname. It's my real nickname is Boy, B-O-Y. And there's a philosophy and story behind how I obtained that nickname. Well, Boy and Kevin are in constant conflict with each other, and Boy is always trying to let Kevin know to stop denying him of who he is and recognize that that there are a lot of great things that I've done for you to help you be who you are. Kevin is embarrassed to be called Boy because he feels like Boy is immature and nobody really loves boy and people really tend to look over boy and 
He's he's uneducated. He's ghetto. He's ignorant. He's crazy. He's deranged. He's angry. And so Kevin doesn't want to associate with boy. And I I take myself and I open myself up to the world. And I'm really trying to show people the inner fight that I have with myself. And so it stages it for a book that is coming called called The Kid for Rent. Hmm. And it's a it's a it's a powerful book. Uh, mm-hmm. Called the the kid for rent, and it's it's boy versus Kevin, and so boy and Kevin are getting ready to go sit down and talk to a psychologist, and the psychologist is going to narrate this book and explain the 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 concepts of what Kevin and boy is going through. But in the end of the book, boy and Kevin actually come together and find out they are actually one person, and boy begins to appreciate Kevin. Kevin appreciates boy, and ultimately it becomes one strong man standing with everything he needs inside of him created by God. Every one of my bad experiences in life are the best things that has actually happened to me that has made me who I am. The goodness is a result of the things that I have gone through in my life. So this is going to be an extraordinary book that is coming. I want you all to be on the look for it. But go to Barnes and Noble dot com, Amazon dot com. You can go to uh, bkgpublishing.com dot com to order my book, download my books, um, and all of my books. You're gonna find realness. You're gonna you're gonna always find realness in all of my books. I'm I'm basically just telling everybody the truth. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm telling you guys, it is truly a page turner. It definitely has you shaking your virtual tambourine. Did you read the part on the Ten Commandments of keeping a man faithful? Ladies, I write Ten Commandments, Ten Things yes. <laughs> in this book. Hey, I want you to go to that chapter, and I want you to order the book and read the Ten Commandments of keeping a man faithful, okay? It's not 100 proof, all right? Because some men are just dogmatic regardless. But it will lower your risk, okay? It will lower your risk of being cheated on by doing 10 simple things. So when you get this book, you will learn the 10 commandments the of 10 keeping commandments, a man faithful. The 10 commandments, ladies. Absolutely. And, and, these are, these are, and these are real. Any man that will read those 10 commandments will shake my hand and say, bro, thank you for saying what we've been afraid to say, you know, because a man oftentimes respects a woman in a way to where he's afraid to hurt her by telling her <laughs> these things. But pastor's going to tell it for you, you know. So all you brothers, <laughs> y'all going to thank me. Y'all need to tell you why. You sure we are. You sure we are. You're going to thank me for giving them these Ten Commandments. Yes, because commandment number eight, I literally laughed till I cried uh, because it is thou shall not come to bed looking like a hot mess. I could not stop laughing. Listen, how you going to come to bed looking like a hot mess? Okay. And and then all these porn stars out here got a all this It don't, it don't take it just it don't take that long. It don't take that long to go in there, up in that shower, you know, scrape that head on back some, throw just a little powder on, get your Victoria's Secret, and don't let it be no oh. secret no more. 
and 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 come on the bed. You know, if you come on the bed with Victoria's Secret on, smelling oh, good, man. a man a man ain't even trying to leave the house. He, in fact, about it, ladies, listen. If you make it look so pretty at the house, okay? If you make it look so good at the house, he's too intimidated by himself because he might think another man coming there, so he gonna stay home to be the watchdog. Some of you don't understand how to keep a man at home. You, it, I'm telling you, he he'll get to thinking, oh man, I can't, you know, he he ain't trying to go nowhere. <laughs> he's not trying to go nowhere, um, you know, at all. Actually, um, my favorite one is Thou uh, Shall uh, Initiate Sex at Times. Mm. Um, and I talk about that was a good one. And I talk about how a man needs to feel desirable. The more yeah. you make a man feel desirable, the more prone he is to being faithful. Um, I, ladies, I got so real in the book, I talked about hygiene. Some of y'all talking about you want a man to go down, and if you ain't washed, you ain't washed. <laughs> Kevin, and, I'm not, I'm know, not fooling with you with commandment number I'm seven. Man, you gotta go down, <laughs> and you gotta, you gotta sometimes use a little bit more. You know, depending, depending on your, your, your HD and all of that type of thing. Get with your gynecologist, understand your HD, understand your, your, your natural smells, understand your, your body. You know, and again, these are things that a good mother should teach their daughters. And the true. problem I Very have true. is that I definitely these agree mothers with that. Yes. are not teaching Absolutely. their daughters. They're just saying, okay, you know, use protection, use the condom. There are odors that condoms give off to women as well. Right. So there's right. certain things right. that, that you're talking about you want a man to go down, make sure it's, it's worth going down. Get, get, get the shaving, get everything together, clean it, and get it right. And a man might actually want to go down there, you know, but – I, I just try to. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, I I literally just heard the deacons at the church say, "Yes, he, they have officially voted you out." Yeah, they don't vote me out. They don't put chains on the church door. So, but I even talk about in the book. I talk about um, you know, um, pastors and churches being too heavily involved in the bedroom. You know, yeah. I, I talk about that, and and these pastors who forbid all of these things, talk about yeah. all of these things, and then turn around themselves and go cheat on their wives. They got their pretty yeah. little first lady with the pretty little hat, and she's so <laughs> so adorable. But that's not what he's really sexually attracted to. So right. it's good for his pastorialship, but it's not good for his for his bedroomship. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so a man, these same pastors who go get the pretty little penny little girl, the pretty little proper little girl to be their wife, okay? But then they turn around and sleep with the whores in the church or the whores outside the church, okay, Mm -hmm. in order Mm -hmm. to gratify their sexual uh, gratification, okay? And so why is all men like the same thing? And so women... I, I I break down the door on a lot of this stuff. Those Ten Commandments are something else. I'm telling you. 
They are. They absolutely are. And you guys are going to get a kick out of each and every one of them. And uh, like Kevin said, you guys can go and purchase uh, his arrival. It's her attraction um, available on Amazon.com, BootsAmelia.com, and BKG Publishing um, as well. And so, Kevin, I know that we have, what, two months or so? Uh, left in 2017. So uh, what are your plans for the rest of this year? Do you got something that you're going to be re- releasing uh, before this year is over, or should everybody be on the lookout for uh, 2018? Well, I've actually started publishing other books uh, by other authors, and I have okay. a brand-new author who book, with actually, who book is actually out as we speak. Our book signing is October the 28th, but our book is available. It is called Breaking Free, My Victory Over Domestic mm. Violence. Yeah. Her name is author Jana Stalks, and her book can be purchased on Amazon.com, BarnesandNobles.com. You can download it to your Kindle Fire. You can go to the BKG Publishing website, and you can also purchase her book. At, I believe her book is $10.99. Um, at what a great story of, of, of victory and triumph that this young lady experienced, and I commend her and love you, Jana, for coming out, uh, sharing your story, inspiring other women uh, to to um, be able to identify with domestic violence awareness and know that they, they're, 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 they are worth so much more than what they're putting themselves through. And so, yeah, um, we have that book coming. We have so many new books coming for 2018, I believe I have about 16 new authors coming out in 26, 2018. Uh, but for the rest of this year, I'm focusing on Jana Stark's book, My Victory Over Domestic Violence. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And I'm telling you, encouraging you guys, make sure you go get this book. Uh, girls, ladies, tell your girlfriends about it as well. Uh, you are really, truly um, going to enjoy this. And I think the man will, too. The man will definitely love uh, just the great, real, true nuggets um, that Kevin drops in this book. And so, uh, Kevin, for the folks out here they, who may want to connect with you, we may have some um, authors who want to connect with you as far as publishing. Uh, tell the folks how they can connect with you as far as website and social media and all those great things. Well, you definitely can find me all over social media. Uh, My name is Kevin L. Garner Sr. Uh, You can look up my publishing company, BKG Publishing. Uh, We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're even on Snapchat, all right? So we're we're, we're on all the social medias. Uh, You also can contact my office at 469-782-7344. Ask for Kevin Garner. Um, looking forward to working with any new authors that have amazing stories, truly want to write a book and have it published and get it out on the market. Um, and again, just be on the look for BKG. Just remember that name, BKG. And uh, it's it's all over line. So, you know, if you type it in Google, you, you definitely will be able to uh, contact us. Absolutely, absolutely. And Kevin, it was truly a pleasure having you on the show. I'm definitely uh, going to have you have you come back on. I think we we, we might have to have a Ten Commandments show. Uh, that would really be oh, a hot one. I would love that. I would love that. I would love that. And let me tell you, you know, 
thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, you're very, very, um, very good at what you do. The interview oh, to me is wonderful, and I really, truly appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Definitely my pleasure, and uh, I will be sharing the links, folks, on my page and the Beautiful Butterfly Show page so you guys can go and purchase it. And make sure you leave reviews. Authors love reviews. They want to know what you thought about it, what you didn't like, and and all those great things. And so uh, make sure you leave those reviews um, for Kevin as well. And uh, we have a lot of authors who come on the show, so if you guys are looking for a great publishing company, uh, connect with Kevin. Um, over at BKG Publishing, um, and uh, he will get you set up and rolling, you guys. And so, uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on here, and I hope you'll come back again and talk with me again soon. Absolutely. I definitely will. Absolutely. You have a great rest of your evening. I'll be talking with you again soon. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right, you guys, that was Arthur Kevin Garner, author of His Arrival is Her Attraction, and it's truly indeed, folks. I'm telling you guys, I'm going to want to read this book. Uh, When I tell you guys I had a lot of yes, sir, and you better say that moments in this book, uh, because it's it's just such a real and authentic book. I think oftentimes when it comes to relationships, um, you know, a lot of people like to uh, sugarcoat it and, and make it sound sweet and nice and things, but sometimes we have to get to the real, the hardcore truth and facts when it comes to relationship and how men and women have to communicate to each other to make a cohesive relationship. Um, So vital, so important to express um, your thoughts and your passions um, to those who love and support you um, constantly. So uh, with that said, folks, uh, as I said, coming up next week, we got Muhammad Shakur. He's coming on next Thursday. We're going to be talking about the importance of fatherhood, parenthood, and being a husband. So I'm telling you, it's going to be a great show with Muhammad Shakur next Thursday, you guys, right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. And so, folks, we're going to get ready to get out of here. And I uh, hope you guys have a fantastic uh, rest of your weekend. And uh, I am Bianca Fly, you guys, and I'll see you guys next time.
Beautiful Butterfly Show would like to thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram. That's at Instagram.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. Also on Facebook.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. And last but certainly not least, you can also catch up with us on Twitter. That's at Twitter.com forward slash the Beautiful Butterfly Show. And thank you once again for tuning in on behalf of the Vibration Radio Network. There is a musical revolution coming. A mixture of jazz, soul, and funk. Existence will be 
everywhere. January 20th, 2018.